0: And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. This is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA. And I want to say hello, as usual, to our listeners on Spotify and Anchor FM and some of the other platforms that we have here at Sunshine USA. Um, I tell you, (laughs) things are probably getting busy around your house. This is, after all... Here in the United States, this is the week of Thanksgiving. And um, I'm not sure if they have this type of holiday in other countries around the world. I, I do know that we have it here in this country. Now, Of course, in this country, we need to know that Thanksgiving is more than just one day. We as Christians ought to always be thankful to the Lord for all that he's done for us. For all that he's provided for us every day really should be a day of thanksgiving. But you know, in in this country it is a time where families get together. There's a lot of traveling and uh, a lot of cooking going on, a lot of eating going on. Uh, But I I just hope that in spite of all the festivities, not to mention the football games and everything else, (laughs) that we will remember to truly give God thanks. For what we have and most of all we want to thank God for the salvation that he provides for us. And the wonderful thing is if you're not saved, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you could make that decision today. And I don't know of a better day than the day to make that decision. To admit that you're a sinner and ask Christ to come into your heart and forgive you. It was the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. 1969 that I got saved so I do know from personal experience this is a great time of the year to get saved and uh, come to know Christ as your Savior if you don't know him already amen and then once you know Christ uh, it should become a little bit easier for you to uh, praise God and give God thanks for all that he has provided for you amen amen And by the way, if you live in other countries around the world, like in Africa or South America, Asia, let me tell you something, you know, uh, you can thank the Lord for what you have as well, you know, and, and also if you're a Christian, you can thank the Lord for the salvation that he has graciously and wonderfully provided you with. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, um... Today we're going to be in the book of Genesis. We are currently studying about the flood. Last time we were in Genesis chapter 6 and we talked about how the flood got started and how God gave Noah uh, the exact specifications that he wanted the ark built by. And the Bible tells us that Noah did all that God commanded him. And then we come here to chapter 7, and Genesis chapter 7 is where we focus our attention today. In Genesis chapter 7, in verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now, he says, I've seen righteousness in you in this generation. Now, this lets us know, by the way, that just because we're living in a world dominated by sin doesn't mean that we can't live for the Lord. Uh, I know when we watch the news, for example, on television, it's very easy to say, you know, I can't believe this world is such a sinful place. I mean, think about it. I mean, we have all kinds of murders being committed, all kinds of crime being committed. You know, if it wasn't for sin, you wouldn't have a newscast when you think about it. I mean, because the news talks about political corruption and crime and violence and things like that, and yet, no matter how sinful this old world gets, you and I can be faithful to God. You and I can be faithful to the Lord. In spite of how sinful this old world gets, um, I remember back years ago, I was riding on an Amtrak train headed from Greenville, South Carolina to New Orleans Theological Seminary. And as that train rolled into New Orleans, I remember looking out the window at some of the sites I saw in New Orleans from the train. And I couldn't help but realize this is a city, New Orleans, that a lot of people today even refer to as Sin City, USA. In fact, nowadays I think New Orleans and Las Vegas compete for the title Sin City, USA. And so um, um, I remember looking out my window and I began realizing that as a Christian I was coming to New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary in New Orleans and as a Christian I knew that I needed to let my light shine in some way while I was in New Orleans because I knew that even though I was studying for the ministry that didn't mean I couldn't be engaged in ministry while in New Orleans and so um I determined right there I was going to be a difference maker for God in New Orleans. And literally within two or three days of arriving in New Orleans, an opportunity opened up for me to be an announcer at a Christian radio station on campus. It was a campus radio station, but we did reach out beyond the campus. We had about 250 watts of power. And so we pretty much covered the New Orleans campus as well as some areas outside of the campus in other parts of New Orleans. Now, once the signal left New Orleans, the (laughs) signal kind of scattered a little bit. So you could hear us in some parts of New Orleans and not hear us at all in other parts of New Orleans. But nonetheless, this was an opportunity for me to be a witness for New Orleans in Sid City, USA. And it, it's very interesting that my work in radio then started wetting my appetite for media ministry in general. And, of course, me not knowing then that this would eventually lead years later, in fact, decades later, this would actually lead me to start this ministry called Sunshine USA, which is on the air now primarily as an internet radio ministry. And of course, uh, through this internet radio ministry, I'm able to preach the gospel and teach the Bible in all the countries around the world. In fact, I'm able to preach the gospel on the internet in some countries where either missionaries would not be allowed or it would be considerably dangerous to send missionaries into those countries. And so I'm able to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world through this medium called the Internet. But now my appetite for the media ministry began back in 1983 when I started as a radio announcer at WBSN Radio. In New Orleans, after graduating from the seminary, I went on to become announcer at another Christian radio station, uh, WSHO. And between working at those two Christian radio stations in New Orleans, both of which are still on the air today, by the way, and still doing a great job for the Lord. I truly had my appetite whetted for media ministry which is my primary ministry today. I knew that God wanted me to be a witness for him in New Orleans. Now, of course, I did other things too. I participated in a street ministry that we had in New Orleans. We had a group of seminary students every Friday night. We would go out into the French Quarter and we would pass out tracts and talk to people one-on-one about Jesus And I was glad that I participated in that ministry as well. But it especially was a time when my appetite was whetted for media ministry, leading to what I do today. And now more than ever before, I believe this is ultimately why God has placed me on this earth and kept me alive for as long as he has because of the fact that he has this great work for me to do for him. But Noah was an example of the fact that no matter how sinful your city is, no matter how wicked society becomes, it is possible to take a stand for the Lord and be a witness for God. And that's exactly what Noah was. And then we find as we read a little bit further in verses 2 and 3 God gives Noah specific directions on how he's going to start bringing animals on this earth, I mean from this earth onto the ark. And then we see in verse 4 where God says, And yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights, and every living substance that I have made I will destroy from all the face of the earth. Verse 5, And Noah did all that that the Lord God commanded him. Now, notice here that God says, Yet seven days, and I will cause it to start raining upon the earth. Now, once again, it seems that back in those days, Noah didn't know what rain was. Because water, back in those days, came up from the ground. And so Noah wasn't 100% sure what rain was, but he knew it was so terrible that it was going to cause a flood that would cover the face of the whole earth and uh, be wiped out. The whole earth would be wiped out. And indeed it was. And the Bible tells us here that God saw that Noah did everything that God told Noah to do. And that's very important for God to be able to say that about us as well. You may not be the smartest person in your town. You may not be the smartest person in your school. You may not be the smartest person in your church. But we can all do the work that God has placed us on this earth to do. Whatever it is God's called you to do. We could do it. God hasn't called you to be successful in the world's eyes. He's called you to be faithful. To faithfully do that which you could do. And I believe by the way that God has uniquely gifted you and uniquely designed you to do whatever it is that God has called you to do. Now my brother is an architect, and I'm not really surprised because all throughout my life, my brother has had an artistic talent. Many people who have seen what my brother draws, they cannot help but marvel at the talent God has given them, and so it became evident to him, and I believe evident to me, that obviously whatever God called him to do, it had something to do with drawing or drafting or whatever. And today, of course, he's an architect. It might be God has given you the ability to sing. Now, maybe God just wants you to do solos in your church or maybe sing in a trio or a quartet. Maybe he wants you to play an instrument at your church. Maybe he wants you to be a Christian professional musician. That's altogether possible. But whatever it is that God has called you to do, God will uniquely equip you to do that which he has called you to do. Now, I want us to think for a moment about the fact that Noah had 120 years to build this ark. And um, no doubt people Living where Noah lived, uh, they probably made fun of Noah. Building this great big old ship right in the middle of a desert. Nowhere near a body of water. It did not make sense. You know, sometimes God calls people to do things that to others makes no sense at all. But you know it makes plenty of sense to do the work that God has called you to do. I'm sure a lot of people ridiculed Noah and made fun of Noah building that ark. And it's even possible Noah hired some of them to help him build the ark. That's altogether possible. But even those that helped Noah build the ark, they still ridiculed him and mocked him because they did not believe that what Noah said was going to happen was going to happen. And in one sense of the word, why should they? It had never rained before? God had never sent a flood to destroy the earth before. Why would he do it now? But even though there was a lot of things even Noah didn't understand, Noah faithfully did the work that God called him to do. And he did it. And he did it for 120 years. Now, bearing in mind, he did a lot of preaching in that 120 years also, trying to encourage the people to repent and come to the Lord, come aboard the ark, and the people would not listen. And in the end, Noah had no converts outside of his own family. Now, in a way, that was very astonishing. Now, the reason that was astonishing is the fact that when you think about it, it's probably harder to reach members of your own family for the Lord than anybody else. You know why? Because you know what? They know you the best. They not only know the good stuff about you, but guess what? They know a lot of the bad stuff about you as well. And because of that, it is very hard for them to um to follow what you're saying about the Lord because all they see is the bad stuff that you do and they don't realize because they're not a Christian maybe they don't realize that in reality um, you know even though we're saved we're not perfect we're not flawless, we're not without sin. And so, um, as a result, we find that um, um, our family can be hardest of all to reach. Um, On one of the other uh, platforms, that we utilize. I am uh, teaching through the New Testament. We're talking about the parables of Jesus. We're talking about the life and times of Jesus. And Jesus makes the statement, he says, a prophet is never received in his own country. Once again, I think it's because people that we live among, they know us the best. They know us when we're at our best, but they also know us when we're at our worst. So they could be much harder to reach. But in the case of Noah, he at least reached his own family, his wife, his sons, and their wives. And we see that they came aboard the ark. Now let's look in verse number 16. It says, And they went in, went in male and female of flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut them in. That's verse 16. And the Lord shut them in. Now I have found one thing to be true in my ministry. Very important thing. Uh, when God closes a door, no man can open it. And furthermore, when God opens the door, no man can close it. I've learned that much on my own in my own ministry. And that is so true. It really is. It is so true. Now, um, as we read further, Going into verse 17, and the flood was 40 days upon the earth, and the waters increased and bare up the ark, and it was lifted above the earth. So here we have the flood, it's come, the rain has already started, and now the flood waters have picked up the ark, and now the ark is literally floating on the water. And I think you're going to find that it floated on the water for a considerable length of time. It says in verse 18, and the waters prevailed and were increased greatly upon the earth. And the ark went upon the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly upon the earth and all the high hills that were under the whole heaven were covered. Fifteen cubits upward did the waters prevail, and the mountains were covered. And all the flesh died that moved upon the earth, both fowl, and cattle and beasts, and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of life of all that was in the dry land died, And so what we see here is that the whole earth was covered. Now, by the way, I will make a note of the fact that I believe this was indeed and in fact a global flood. Uh, One of the questions I get asked from time to time whenever I talk about Noah and the flood, people will ask me, Warren, do you think this was uh, a local flood or do you think it was a worldwide flood? Or maybe it was a regional flood. No, I believe this was a worldwide flood. And as you travel to different places around the world, even to this day, you can see evidence that at one time, the whole earth was underwater. Think about it. Where you live right now. Where you live right now. At one time, it was underwater. The whole earth was. And um, I think you're going to find that in reality for several months the floodwaters remained upon the earth and everything that was not on the ark died. I mean, um, I saw a children's Bible story book one time. And not only was it faithful to the scripture, but it had a picture on there that I'm sure was accurate. And it showed people banging on the side of the ark. They were treading water outside the ark and banging on the side of the ark trying to get in. But they could not get in because God had already shut the door. You know, the sad truth is there are many people today who know they need to get saved. They know they need to get right with God. But somehow they just keep putting that decision off. And this, a lot of times, is especially prevalent among young people. Young people say, well, you know, I know I need to get saved. I know I need to get right with God. But, you know, I got just one more party I want to go to. I I got one more batch of drugs I want to use. And one of these days, when I'm too old to sin anymore, guess what? I'll get saved then. Well, you see the... The only flaw, well, there's actually many flaws in that kind of thinking. One of the biggest flaws in that kind of thinking is we don't know when our time to die is going to come. It could come today. It could come tomorrow. The next day, it might even be several years from now. We don't know. You don't know. And so if you keep telling yourself one of these days, I'm going to get saved. One of these days, I'm going to get right with God you don't realize that one of these days it's going to be entirely too late. One of these days, God is going to shut that door. And once that door is shut, no man can open it. In Luke chapter 16, when you read about that rich man in hell, think about it. He's been in hell now for over 2,000 years. And a million years from now, he won't have one second less to be in hell. Burning and suffering, agonizing and pain. I'm one of these preachers today, I'm not afraid to talk about hell. What I'm afraid of is we don't have enough churches today talking about hell. And what an ugly, awful, terrible place that is. You may not realize Jesus preached more about hell than he did heaven. One of the reasons I believe he did that because he knows how horrible hell is. And how final hell is. And the last thing in the world Jesus wants is for you to die and go to hell. But if you die without Christ, there's no other alternative. You can't go to heaven because you're not saved. And therefore, there's no other place for you to go except to go to hell. And that's why I say that today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I don't know of a better time than the day that you can make that decision. What you have to do is just say, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of your grace. I have fallen short of your glory. And now, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and save me and give me a new life. And God, now that I'm saved, I thank you for it. And I, help, I pray, Lord, that you will help me tell others about what you've done for me and that you'll also help me to spend time every day for the rest of my life reading and studying your word, the Bible. For it's all these things we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you pray a prayer like that or a prayer similar to it, God will save you. He will give you a brand new life. And if that happens, I want you to let me know about it. The best way to let me know about it is by email. I have two email addresses. One is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. And the other one is warrenlandis at gmail.com. And I even have a snail mail address. For those of you that want to communicate with me the old-fashioned, old-school way, my snail mail address is warrenlandis, Eighty Thrusted Street, that's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And I'd be glad to hear from you. I'd be glad to send you some free materials and free helps that will help you grow in your knowledge of the Lord and help you share your faith in Christ with other people one of the things you can do too is tell people about this radio ministry called Sunshine USA because if you listen to this broadcast and you enjoy what we do on this broadcast I'm sure that you know other people that would also enjoy listening to a broadcast like this and uh, be sure to pray for me I think that you can tell my voice is not 100% today. Uh, my voice is a little bit on the croupy side, so I hope that you will pray for me, and I'll be sure to pray for you as well. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying God bless you, and I'll see you next time on Sunshine USA.